What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to Bears on Tap. Duke, Brandon, and Lucas look forward to putting their meat on the table in 2021 and beyond. Football is finally here. Like, it's it's officially here. Football season is back, and we are here to cover it for you. Obviously, we don't know if he's in quote-unquote football shape, but me personally, I think he's going to come out super rejuvenated and just absolutely eat people alive. Okay, dude, you've been feeding us the same crap for three years now going on four. Like, until we actually see this, we need to stop giving Matt Nagy the benefit of doubt that it's just going to happen. Listen, it's chicken or egg at this point. We're back. I am all the way reeled in on this team. I don't know how they continue to do it, but Justin Fields is our quarterback, and there is nobody on God's winner that can tell me anything otherwise that this team is not trending in the right direction. We ain't leaving. We ain't leaving. <laughs> You're such a jack. We ain't fucking leaving! What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to Bears on Tap. You can go ahead and follow us at that handle or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. Today, we are talking about the San Francisco 49ers game. Matt Nagy came up with COVID. Um, so Chris Tabor is going to be taking over. That's definitely a big subject. Jason Peters revealed a lot during his uh, press conference after practice this week. So definitely a good amount to unpack. You can go ahead and follow me at Lucas for Petty 46. Also follow my guy, that pod guy, Duke, Duke Coughlin, and B-Don 300 at his undisclosed location, like Matthew Nagy, Brandon Suarez. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Well, I'm just glad that the 49ers don't know where Matt Nagy is, so they couldn't possibly steal any of his secrets of the trade. So it's good to know that the Bears playbook is very safe and that no team will ever predict what the Bears will do on offense. Let's talk about the balance of this schedule. We go up against the reigning Super Bowl champs one one week, and then we go up against another team that is basically in a shitbox right now. I think they have a good opportunity to win this game or at least keep it close. But if it's not close, I anticipate us to lose by a lot because the Niners, like I said, have not won in a while. Speaking of that, I mean, when we looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year, everyone thought the Niners were coming back. And I know they're in a tough division, and Arizona came out of left field, but what happened to that being the best division in football, even before Russ got hurt? Um, it's it, just the Rams Cardinals and the Cardinals yeah, have Rams the, Cardinals. the one up because they beat them in the head to head and they're undefeated too. But yeah, I think uh, the more I'm starting to think about it, the more I feel like that 2019 season or what was, yeah, 2019 season for the Niners might've been more of a one-off because they have the pieces and it just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, Kind of talented team, and I know that they've had injury uh, issues the last couple years. George Kittle's obviously a freak who hasn't played the last couple weeks. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just strange to me because they do have the talent there to be a good team, and that it, they're kind of built in a way where how kind of how the Tennessee Titans reminded me of a couple years ago, and they weren't the best team, but they could knock off a good team. Like they have the talent and the coaching to be the good team, but it just doesn't make sense how they can't put it together uh, consistently. I'm looking for it right now on my phone because I looked it up over the weekend because I was listening to either the score or uh, 1,000, and one of the callers called in, and it was like an angry, fat guy from Chicago like us, and he was just basically saying like – Duke's from Kankakee. 
Yeah, he was from Kankakee, definitely. He was just saying how people Easy sucked. now. We're all fat. So. <laughs> how people sucked Mike Shanahan, or not Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan deserves to be sucked dried. His son, Kyle Shanahan, has not earned his keep in the NFL. He's like 31 and 39. He made it to one Super Bowl. That's good. He runs a, he runs a tra- like a transcendent offense. I get that. But his win-loss record ain't there, and I understand he's had injuries and there's been a whole bunch of other shit, but people put him up on this pedestal that he really hasn't earned yet, and I think it's... I think he's, better than, he's, better than I think, our, he's better than our coach, I'll say that. But I think as an offensive play caller, this is where I disagree, because I do think Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. I don't know if he's a great head coach, but as an offensive coordinator and offensive mind, I think he's proven himself more than enough. Um, Matt Ryan having an MVP season, RG3 look at, uh, having a, r- a rookie of the year season. He's shown that he can work with quarterbacks and it's kind of gotten off to a slow start with Trey Lance, who is banged up as well. And it looks like the Bears are going to be playing Jimmy G. But I feel like he was brought into an exact opposite situation of what Matt Nagy was brought into. Matt Nagy came into a really nice roster. They used John Fall as John Fox as their fall guy and invested a ton of money in the team after they already had a pretty well established defense after three years or, uh, yeah, three years with John Fox. So, he came in, in Matt Nagy came into a really good situation. The roster deteriorated since he's been here. And you could put it on him and Pace. And I do think that Matt Nagy's input on the roster has helped it deteriorate for sure. Cause he always needs something but an offensive lineman. Um, but Kyle Shanahan came into a very, very bad situation. Those first couple of years he had there were rough. And then he was had a season where Jimmy G went down. I think he, with with his record with Jimmy G is well above 500. It's just the fact that Jimmy G has not stayed healthy whatsoever. Because so I think when they traded for him that year in 2017, I believe, or maybe it was 2016, they rattled off five straight wins, and then Jimmy G got hurt the next year. You don't. Scare and they were me. running around with Nick Mullins, and no, of course Jimmy G doesn't scare me. But shout out to Arlington Heights, like he is a Chicago native, um, and Yo, you know uh, he's uh, got a chiseled jawline. That's for damn sure. I also forgot to announce since the Bears suck, uh, our Portland Trailblazers are back right now. Go Blazers. Uh, fuck basketball. Um, but anyway. The Bulls, bro. The Bulls. <laughs> talk about the Bulls, dude. I don't want to talk about the Bulls right now. I want, I want to we talk don't, about Yeah, we're talking about football, dude. What are you talking yeah. about? I, dude, I'm too tired to talk about the Bulls. Uh, but anyway, when it comes to Kyle Shanahan, man, one of the biggest things I kind of seen with San Francisco – um, like the past two years, I guess coming into this year, really since they made that Super Bowl run, is they've gotten away from running the football, and that's that was a big part of what got them to the Super Bowl in the first place. Was they kind of had a three-headed monster, like what was it? It was Raheem Mostert. Um, yeah, they also have six injured running backs too right now. Like, what do you, yeah. you know, injuries on the O line too? Like, yeah, they're, well, just, I, they're just, just injured everywhere. I think that plays into it a lot, though, because, you know, Jimmy G historically hasn't been a guy that you necessarily want to air it out with. And I know that might sound weird as a, you know, coming from a quarterback, but he's kind of always had that game game manager label to him where if he can make easy throws with one on one coverage or, you know, a a loaded box, that's usually where he kind of thrives. More or less what he's been asked to do these past two years with the Niners is kind of aired out a little bit more when he's been on the field. And, you know, you just haven't gotten the results from him because, to be fair, he kind of stares down receivers. He's a little predictable in the pocket. Um, He doesn't really move as much as he used to. Really, I think injuries have kind of worried him from running out of the pocket as much. I'm sure there's a statistic that could prove me wrong on that. That's fine. But, um, but, you know, I really think – 
that's what's kind of hurt them is they haven't been able to effectively run the football. And that's come with, you know, a little bit of shuffling of the offensive line. Um, Their defense isn't as strong as it has been. And that comes with, you know, having to pay guys on the offensive side of the football. Um, So yeah, the ta- there is talent there. It's, but you know, I'm kind of with you, Lucas, it's kind of hard for me to put it on Kyle Shanahan just because it seems like anytime they really get any momentum with what they do, their best player gets injured, you know, whether it's on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball, the offensive line. Um, they haven't really caught a whole ton of breaks where, you know, and and it feels kind of similar with the Bears. You know, we we don't really catch breaks when it comes to injuries either. You know, we uh, maybe not this year, but in years past, we've had significant injuries just at the wrong times. You know, 2019 with, you know, Mitch getting injured when we were undefeated, you know, that that was kind of a kick in the nuts and it kind of set the tone for the rest of our fucking season. Um, Even 2018 with Eddie Jackson going down, I think Eddie Jackson in that game. I mean, I know what Eddie Jackson has been in the last, you know, six games or whatever it has been. He hasn't been as good. And let's be real, Adrian Amos got exposed against the Eagles. Deion Bush played a good game that night, though. He did. Yeah, I would say. He didn't didn't play an Eddie Jackson 2018 type game. I don't know. I just just feel, yeah, I just feel like it's, um, inconclusive at this point he is not like he when he had a healthy team he just beat the shit out of everybody like they were they were beating the shit out of everybody and since then they have not been healthy and they even in 2019 or 20 2018 they had a really rough year with injuries because of jimmy jimmy g so i feel like that maybe it's something on their training staff i'm not sure but um when he has the horses it goes we've seen it many times with whatever so i think i think you can have a a bad win-loss record um and be a good coach and i think you can have a good win-loss record and be a bad coach i think a record is a really uh kind of empty stat obviously you know if you put it together over 10 year period and you're if you're jeff fisher and your your career 500 and you've coached for 12 years like yeah i'll give you something but being a first-time head coach and really having the issues kyle shanahan has had over the past he, you know his whole time in san francisco I, I i'm not gonna deem him a bad coach yeah um but either way like this is a winnable game i think that's kind of where we're getting at here they got a lot of injuries they're not as good as we thought they were going to be in the beginning of the year um and they can be exposed they don't have a great defensive backfield they got a great pass rush which doesn't mesh well for the chicago bears that's for sure um yeah, I mean they 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 don't have their tight end anymore. They finally got Elijah Mitchell back, but and he seems to be a pretty formidable back, but he's nowhere near. That's another thing too. Raheem Mostert's speed really separ- is what separated things in 2018. Like he was getting wide open lanes, and he was able to just break off 12, 16, 18 yard chunks. It's not the same anymore. You know, it's not the same anymore. Uh, ton of ton of injuries on the on the offensive line. So. Bears defense should be able to handle them, even though they had a rough game against Leonard Fournette. Playoff Lenny, Thursday night Lenny, whatever you want to call him, Sunday afternoon Lenny. Um, he he definitely exposed the Bears defense, and they're going to be without Khalil Mack as he just uh, was announced to be out for this week and possibly put on IR, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because how did we take a complete 180 from saying absolutely nothing about injuries every single time when Matt Nagy last year was asked if Cody Whitehair had COVID symptoms, he said he didn't know. Like, how do we go from not knowing anything to having Khalil Mack get announced out on Wednesday? Like, I if you want to use gamesmanship, that's probably a good thing to make them camp game plan for. Knowing who your starting quarterback is is obviously important, but when you're trying to develop your quarterback, I think that's what the biggest problem was, is just 
the Bears fans wanted Justin Fields to be named starter so we could see this kid's development start. Um, but I think you could have used gamesmanship there. It just doesn't make sense. As soon as Nagy leaves the building, a ton of things change. Jason Peters tells us, tells us that Larry Borum's going to start practicing this week, and Tevin Jenkins looks like he's a few weeks out. We don't know if that's accurate information, but it seemed pretty candid, and like he talks to them every single day. So I think you would have an idea of it, and I feel like Nagy's just just crawling in his car right now. Bro, Jason Peters is getting cut in the morning because he's a weak. He's seen as a liability. He did not keep that information close to the vest. And when Nagy gets back, there's going to be a letter in Jason Peters' locker. I promise you that. I mean, we just got all that information. And it was like so refreshing to finally know what's going to get, on. To get actual information in the press. Yeah, conference. like it was Holy really shit. refreshing as a fan to know, like, because how hard is it to be Matt Nagy and be like, yeah, Borum sprained his ankle. He's on IR. We're thinking he's going to be back in six weeks, hoping it goes well. Maybe he comes back sooner. Maybe he comes back later. So you got to say as a disclaimer. And then no one, yeah, no one's going to fucking chop your head off. Like, just doesn't make sense that he doesn't disclose anything. Duke, how are you feeling, brother? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I could see that as being, you know, gamesmanship, whatever. Um, I could also see it as, you know, Chris Tabor maybe loosening up, loosening things up a little bit at House Hall, you know, as him being the man in charge. Um, you know, there's something about those special team coaches that just kind of give you that, you know, like gritty personality type thing. And that usually meshes really well with the players. You know, I've talked to, uh, you know, for like former Chicago Bears who were on like the mid 2000s teams like uh, Cam Worrell, and he's fucking huge on guys like Dave Taub, uh, Dave Toe because of just the type of football minds you have to be to be a special teams guy. You know, I'm not trying to sit here and just praise Chris Tabor or anything like that, but you know, it, it could be a, like a little minor culture change that we're seeing. You know, things feel a little bit open now that Nagy's not in the building. You it, know, we. We don't know how Matt Nagy is around these players behind closed doors. It's as simple as that. And to kind of see, you know, Jason Peters kind of open up a veteran player, open up the second Matt Nagy leaves the building, it's that was kind of an interesting development to me. You'd think, yeah, that's that's what I'm that's kind of what I'm getting at. Not the fact like you'd think someone would have slipped four weeks ago or last year or something like that. You know, it does feel like things are more loosened and I can't go as far as saying that there's a culture change, but it definitely feels loosened up a little bit. And I think there could possibly be because the staff and the players are just kind of tired of the stupidity and the circus surrounding us. You know what I mean? And maybe they're just like, yeah, no one's going to get upset now. Like well, dude, not here for the week. a lot of them see the, I think a lot of them see the writing on the wall. You know, they're not stupid. You know, you can buy into a team, you can buy into a head coach and a system all you want, but at a certain point, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure I was talking about this with Justin Fields last week where it's like, you kind of hit that certain point where you're like, this shit ain't working. There's a good chance this isn't going to work. I'm not going to buy, I'm not going to sell out, you know, and just take plays off, make business decisions or anything like that. But it's like at the same time, I'm not going to buy into this guy. You know, and it kind of feels like a lot of the coaching staff also kind of feels that a little bit, you know, I, I, I that's why I feel like a lot of these guys are going to be coaching, you know, and I hate to say this this early in the season, you know, as I feel like we are going to beat the Niners this week, but I, I could see a lot of these coaches feeling like they're coaching for their next gig right now. So they're going to get a lot more creative with what they do, and they're going to try to build relationships with some of these players because if some of these players say go to other teams, they could also get a word in, you know what I mean? They could get into that coaching staff's ear. It's a, it, it, I, yeah. I think that's a lot of how the NFL works, man. It's it's kind of you hit a point where you realize it's not working. You can either shit the bed or you can make the best out of it. And I'm glad you said that, dude. How how I'm gonna say it may come off as like kind of rude or ignorant, but what I I think like 
we've never fired someone during the regular season, right? This week is a good opportunity to see what that staff can do without Nagy. And if he doesn't put the, the pedal to the metal in the coming weeks when he comes back, I'm not, you can't fire him, you know, while he's gone with COVID, obviously not. But if he doesn't, uh, you the, can. We well, don't want him, we don't want anything we, bad to help happen to him health wise, but I'm, yeah, I, don't mind him I think fired. Bears would get sued for that, though, right? Like, that it's not viewed nicely, but yeah, that could be that could that could end up in a court case. I think they would wait for a couple more losses, but like this is the perfect opportunity to see what those guys can do without Matt Nagy and the perfect. Like, I really actually don't want him to coach this game. I, I really don't because I want to see what the team looks like without him getting in our way. And it's, it may sound rude, like hopefully he gets better. I, I, you know, I wish no. him a speedy recovery, but I want to see the other guys coach this game and let's see if we can get him up out of here early and maybe get him fired and have an interim role coach. And, I mean, we could float a tinfoil hat theory out there um, that possibly this is a very discreet way of maybe seeing what the coaching staff could do without yeah. him. Like this, maybe, yeah. you know, like maybe – that you could always lie in a report. So I'm not, I'm not going to go ahead and say it's something that happened, but if someone goes into sweaty Teddy's office and he leaks Ugh. a little bit of information and a reporter runs with it, that's what everyone believes. So Steel we have Kalamata's office desk. I do. I'm just saying since, since he was reported to have COVID, I haven't heard anything about him, you know, testing negative on a test or trying yeah. to get tested to be negative on a test sitting in his car. Like it's it. What a it's shit. A weird, in his car on a Zoom, what a fucking scumbag. That's terrible. He's probably, like, in the fucking... He, his undisclosed location, he's probably, like, fucking a mile down the road from Alice. Honestly, he's though, you can't disclose his... Yeah, you can't No, you can't. He's, he's, definitely, can't. he's definitely in, like, a bunker. There's a bunker underneath Hallis Hall, and that's where he's there's, Yeah, there's <laughs> crazy, crazy... He's <laughs> got a fucking hammer. His location will never disclosed. It could be real bad. Um... I don't know. I just, I, I, I think a lot of people um, want to see what the team looks like without him. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, we wanted to see him get fired. Unfortunately, it's because of COVID. And obviously, you don't want anything bad to, to happen to him. But I think everyone does also, in the back of their mind, want to see what the team's going to do um, with, with, uh, God, you talking about Dave Taub so much. I want to say his name, yeah, Chris Tabor, <laughs> running the show. Also, Chris Tabor is. It's a little bit different. He's a little bit different than your your John Harbaugh and your Dave Taubes. Like I, he's a bit more passive. You know, I feel like maybe he's going to take exactly the game plan that fucking Matt Nagy wants him to run and and be sure that it happens. I don't know, but um, I I perf- I would have preferred to see somebody else be the head coach for the day. But at the same time, your special teams coach has the least amount of responsibilities um in terms of game day like you have to obviously prep and and all that good stuff but in terms of plays on the field he can watch the most um and still get his special teams ready so there's probably that's probably a big part of why um he's the the interim while Matt Nagy has COVID but let's get into the game itself I mean I don't know I I feel like the Bears should win this game Vegas doesn't think they should but I think the Bears are going to come out with a different sense of energy um We'll see at least, right? If we'll see if all of our like crazy conspiracies about maybe the locker room is dividing and maybe things aren't so great at Hallis Hall and maybe Matt Nagy's not the best players coach and maybe they don't have a ton of respect for him. Like we'll see because if they come out with a different energy level, like we're gonna know from the jump. Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of all. It's wait and see at this point. We know 
that the game plan should have been similar to last week and the week before because the corners for, you know, the DBs for uh, San Francisco aren't the greatest out there. So you should be able to attack them um, and, and make plays with Justin Fields. So we'll see if they do that. We'll see if they actually try to expose the weakness. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing if things change and how much they change and what it looks like. They're very so, injured in the secondary, too. And I also, watching their game this past weekend, saw a one-ha-ha Clinton Dix floating around on their sideline. And he was on their practice squad to start the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he got elevated. I saw him jerseyed and padded up. I didn't really see if he got in the game, but I did see him out there. Bro, isn't it wild, like, the road that Haha has taken since he left us? Yeah. Like, that was that was the guy that we signed to replace Adrian Amos. Like, I, I feel like we don't kind of take a look at that enough as like Haha Clinton Dix is like out. a car, bro. The second he got drafted, his value has just gone on a downward trend like a ski slope. That's what I'm saying, man. Dude, he was a first-round pick out of Alabama. Like, yeah. You take a first-round fucking safety from Alabama, and you usually fucking hit probably like 95% of Trayvon Diggs, bro. Well, dude, and he fucking... He signed with the Cowboys after us, and, dude, the Cowboys secondary was so bad when he signed with them, and he didn't even make it to week one. Like, that's that's fucking bad. To get cut from a terrible secondary, that, yeah. (laughs) That's what I mean. Uh, I know he's floated around. I think he was on the Raiders for a second there, too. Um I will say, you know, as we've just been shitting on the Niners defense, they are stingy when it comes to yards. They're not they're not a great scoring defense. Like if we were to get into the red zone, I mean that's that's if we can't get out of our own fucking way in the red zone. We can score points on them if we want to. But yardage wise, like if we get some long fields, they're six in the NFL in yards. I think yes. honestly the in best way yard though, because I feel like they play keep away a ton too. Like yeah, is no, that a direct just... reflection? Yeah, no, it's it's like total yards. I think yeah. this is going to be a game where both teams throw the ball under like 25 times. Like this is going to be like a two and a half hour game, pounded down each other's throat. We're going to one guy that we haven't mentioned yet, and I know Lucas loves this guy a lot, Debo Samuel. Uh, that's oh, Debo. Gonna, that's going to be a problem to deal with. I think he had like over 100 yards and a touchdown on Monday night. Like he was just balling, but physical presence. Uh, up against our corners and they put him in the slot. They put him all over the place. It's going to be hard to follow him. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to, I was trying to say it earlier, but uh, Jimmy G is like a medium. Well, Alex Smith, like extra cooked. Like you feel me? I'm Damn. not scared of fucking Jimmy G. He does not scare me. He can't take the top off a of defense. Like, uh, you could take the top off that one that one shorty though. I don't remember who it was. The one point. That's what I'm gonna say. Name one thing that Roquan Smith <laughs> yeah. and uh, Roquan Jimmy Smith G and got Jimmy in common. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Lord. G's a cool guy. He's an, he's an Eastern Illinois guy, but I think like this is gonna be could be like a similar score to what we just saw on Monday night, like an absolute stinker. Yeah, yeah I'm actually, I wouldn't even give him the Alex Smith credit to be honest with you. I don't even. He's think not very. Good. He's not very good. He's not like he's like That's what I said medium well. I feel like he ten years ago, ten years ago, would have been like a middle of the pack quarterback. He would have been like okay in the Manning era, you know, when quarterbacks weren't nearly as explosive or dynamic or athletic. Like I feel like as a traditional player, he doesn't give enough. You know, he doesn't if you were to take away Justin Herbert's running ability and just like being able to manipulate, say he's just able to manipulate the pocket. Like he is your modern day Peyton Manning then, or your modern day, uh, not Peyton Manning, but someone who slings the fuck out of the rock. Like your Dan Marino. Yeah, I was about to say. You get what I'm saying though? Like that's like, 
someone that can can distribute the ball from inside the pocket. Like Jimmy G is is an average quarterback of a dying breed of quarterbacks. I guess that's the best way to put it. Like it, it, right now, the league is trending towards something so much more explosive that can open up a lot of different possibilities for your offense. Um, and Jimmy G does not do that. He doesn't overcompensate enough. Um, I guess I'd say more like a Philip Rivers. How about that? That's better. I, I, I kind of hated myself for that comp. Philip Rivers was always down to launch the fucking ball. That's what I'm saying, though. Like in that era, like guys that weren't that mobile, maybe they would scramble around a little bit. Like he was average at best. So Phil not- Rivers was like the safest 4,000 yards ever, though. Yeah. Every year. And like, oh, he's won the rock. Yeah. And just like saying, didn't like, swear, dog, didn't swear. Doggummit. Just saying the why. Yeah, yeah gamut, really mamma jamma. With that comp. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get over that by the end of the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, a little disappointed. I think I, I think you kind of know where I was going with it, though. This has been the last time I'm going to try to justify myself. He's just, I'm going to say it one more time. He is the he is an average quarterback in a dying in a dying breed of quarterbacks. So he makes him very below average. Um, but he's formidable as a backup. I wouldn't be opposed to him. I'd probably rather have him than Andy Dalton at this point in their careers as well. Uh, if Jimmy G could stay healthy, but that's, you're really kind of, you know, splitting hairs there. Uh, but let's move on from Jimmy G because I'm, I'm tired of talking about him. I'm tired of looking like an asshole. Essentially. You're, done, you're done just trying to justify yourself. <laughs> I just, I fucked up, man. I don't know I mean, how else Jimmy, to say it. Jimmy G is okay. just not good. That's just point blank period. He's just, he's like, he's like, uh, almost like a Jared Goff, but we like without the oh. volume. Dude, so on the topic of Jared Goff, I really That's hope way Lions, better. Good call. I hope the Lions win a game before we see them for the second time. Cause if we, if they don't win a game before then, we are on upset alert that week. Dude, I'm honestly hitting a point like where I like, I'm with you, Lucas, dude. I like Dan Campbell enough. I'm starting to kind of want to root for the fucking Lions. <laughs> I, love, I love Dan Campbell, dude. I don't care what anyone says. They will be a good team. Their roster, I don't think people realize how bad their roster actually is. I know you love Quintez Cephas, and I think he has made some awesome plays, and I think he would be a great number three receiver. But for him to be the head and shoulders best receiver on your roster is fucking insane. Yeah, that's it is absolutely insane. That's true. I, I love Quintez Cephas. I would take him as our number two next to fucking Mooney, though. I would, I would, I, number three would be okay. But let's get back to Debo Samuel because he is an absolute monster. And I also want to call myself out because during the draft process of 2020, I loved Brandon Ayuk and it's just been a bag of shit recently. And I, I don't know because we, I mean, we all saw the highlight where he jumps an actual human being. Um, and I was really high on Ayuk, but when it comes to yeah. Debo Samuel, that's my favorite kind of receiver. And it kind of makes you wonder because they both went to what Ole Miss together, right? Him and AJ uh, Brown. I oh, it was AJ and DK. It makes you wonder how they didn't win every single game they played. Cause that style of receiver, like a DK, a Debo Samuel and AJ Brown. I know DK is a bit more humongous, but those guys are my favorite types of receivers. They remind me of a modern day Anquan Bolden, really tough or like a modern day Steve Smith, like really tough. And they could put their shoulder down and actually truck someone on a fucking screen, or they could stiff arm someone to, to oblivion. Those are like, those are the type of tone setters you like. Even a Corey Davis, I'm a big fan of. Like those big, stocky, almost like a fullback playing receiver are my favorite types of players. And I can't stress enough how badly I want a player like that on the Chicago Bears. 
So, so Debo, Debo Samuel went to South Carolina, and before games, he used to DM the girlfriends of cornerbacks that he was going up against. Was that what you were reaching for, Duke? Because that's what he used to do in college. I don't remember no, that. I I'm really – go ahead. No, but I, I'm really glad you brought that up. No, yeah, I was going to bring up that – Piece uh, of shit. Speaking of fullbacks and wide receivers, uh, Kyle Uchek actually has more receiving yards than Brandon Ayuk this season. Yeah. So, yeah. He, Luke, he's Luke, actually – I'm sorry. I had Lucas to. wins one college football <laughs> bet and just goes up his big board. <laughs> no, I I I like Ayuk honestly because I like BJ and Bucky Bricks were talking about him on one of their episodes. So I'm like, let me go check this kid out, and I was like, he is just an absolute freak of nature. So that was BJ and Bucky influence, and, and the boys. There's still a lot of people that are dumbfounded. Like, how is Ayuk not um, what's it called? But or how is he not progressing? He doesn't have a they, great quarterback. I, I think that's part of it, but Debo that works out for Debo Samuel. You know, you yeah. look at uh, a lot of quarterbacks that are young or maybe not the best at reading the field. They typically force feed their number one receiver the ball. So you would think Ayuk could have stepped into that role. He had more top end or a higher ceiling than Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is just solid as fuck. Brandon Ayuk, like in terms of measurables, is a freak. Um, and that's that's. You know, but it, it, at the end of the day, Debo Samuel is a ball player, and and right now Ayuk doesn't look like one. And I'd rather take someone that looks normal, maybe has a head like beat on, kind of chunky, not the not not the most fit person, but hey, he could play ball. You know, I had a buddy that was really not the most athletic person, but he was the quickest to the ball on any out of anyone on our defense, and he did not. He, you know, he looked like five foot nothing, a hundred nothing. So I mean, I just I, I feel like it's. From what I've heard from Niners camp, he just hasn't put in the work. That's what it sounds like to me, um, for lack of a better term. Like, he just has not put in the work, and that's why he hasn't made the progress. So it could be an issue with, you know, um, work ethic, or maybe he's just not buying in, or maybe he didn't want to be the number two receiver. Maybe he thought he was going to march in and be the automatic number one. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but he's not coming anywhere near his draft potential. Yeah, I mean, they've been having him return a lot of punts. I don't know if that plays into it. I don't know if he necessarily wants to be a punt returner, but I guess anything to get you on the field. But, uh, you know, even with busting your balls, man, I mean, Ayuk looked really good his rookie year, and he really looked like a guy who was going to take that next step. Um, It's kind of similar to, like, an Anthony Miller-type situation where, like, that first year they really, like, they look like they're going to be something, and they look like they're going to take off. But, you know, for one reason or another, they fall out of favor with the coaching staff, and then you just don't see him on the field. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a guy that kind of caught on with maybe the next team he goes to and really takes off with a team that maybe. I was going to say, don't, don't, uh, don't knock Anthony Miller because now he went to the Steelers. I talked about how I, I think if he went to a place like the Steelers, he would be like a 900-yard receiver. So he's like, making no, 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 I'm not. Now. I'm not trying to knock Anthony Miller. I mean, I've I've already put my meat on the table with takes about Anthony Miller that have aged like milk that I'm just going to have to fucking stick with at this point. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I wish Anthony Miller nothing but the best, and I think he actually can be a stud, but it's it's all about getting in the right system. And, you know, maybe Brandon Ayuk, you know, like you said, he's just not bought in. But, um, you know, we, we say all this, and he's just going to be the one to just rip us a fucking new one on Sunday. Like, I'm just fully prepared for that now. <laughs> just Ayuk just goes fucking off on us. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, but I think the Bears, yeah, let, let's get into score predictions, actually, because we're kind of kind of running on time. So what are you guys thinking? I think the Bears actually win this game, but go ahead and give me your score prediction, be done. 
Yeah, I got Bears 17, Niners 13. Just an absolute stink fest. Uh, neither offenses are great. Both defenses are a, a little bit on the better side of middle of the road, like probably in like the 10 to 12 unit of the the whole group of the NFL. And I think uh, I think the most important thing that I want to see this weekend is no turnovers from Justin Fields. I know that's hard to ask, but I like I just want to see him protect the football. And I also want to see him be protected back there as well. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing how um how they change their prote- protection screen scheme if they do so. It looked like for a couple weeks there after the whole drama, dude. I, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm convinced Matt Nagy like had something to do or or started taking a lot more control over game planning or whatever because they went from running a ton of you know close twelve personnel in that game um, after Justin Fields got obliterated by the Cleveland Browns. They had a ton of chip blocks, ton of tight end chips, like. They were running heavy sets. They were running heavy sets with the fullback. Like it just, it, it, and it seems like they got right back into scat protection last week. So it just seems like it always, they always get to somewhere and then they go back. And I know it's simple. I know it's not the offense that Matt Nagy wants to run, but like it's what you got to do right now. You know, you're already out the door anyways. Just make sure Justin Fields doesn't get fucking killed so you can get another job possibly in the future. Yeah. No, um, that's, it's pretty fucking spot on. I mean, I feel like Nagy usually just kind of sticks his fingers in things that he really shouldn't, kind of like a little kid, and just ends up making it worse when it was probably decent from the very start. Um, but, you know, I, if I'm going score prediction, I got the Bears winning 2017. Um, I think the defense is going to be the one that steps up in this game. Um, you know, I, I've stated on this podcast numerous times, I love Justin Fields, but I just haven't really, I haven't seen it yet to where I can trust that this offense is going to put up points yet. Um, I would love to see it this week because that would mean that Nagy really is like the A1 number one problem if he's not on the sidelines and we finally just start scoring points out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, 2017, and actually I got a bold prediction to go with this because my boy is going to be playing quite a bit. Travis Gibson's getting a strip sack in the third quarter. I was wondering when you were uh, when you were going to bring him up because like without Khalil Mack, I don't know. I'm actually really excited to see this kid get extended. Rick is also one and zero with meat on the table, salami log predictions like that down to a T. Uh, yeah, might we strip add? sack in the third quarter, baby. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I still can't believe that that call that <laughs> call back. That was so insane. Duke actually last year predicted an interception touchdown in the third quarter by Eddie Jackson in one of the games that he had an interception touchdown that got called back. So that was probably the most insane take I've heard ever. Um, and yeah, just like, I can't believe it got called back. I felt so bad. Like when it happened, I was was losing my mind, dude. I was literally trying to pull up the clip just so I can clip it and tweet it. I was like, this is the most insane shit I've ever heard of. (laughs) Um, but no, I think, uh, I think we actually do see the switch flip. I, I don't know for a fact. Let me, let me preface this. If Matt Nagy for sure does not make it back to the Chicago bears, I think that um, I think that the Bears come out and they beat the dog shit out of the Niners. I think there will be a different type of energy. I'm more than willing to put on the tinfoil hat. I think Nagy is a, a very negative weight, um, almost like a magnet for fucking negativity. And also just with the way the media treats the team when Matt Nagy's there and just how there's just seems to be always tension. And I think they're going to be able to let loose and just absolutely beat the fuck out of the Niners and make a statement. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Bears win. 27 to 21. Um, 
Actually, no, 27 to, yeah, 27, 21. I like that. I like that. They're going to miss a field goal too. That's why I was thinking maybe 24, but they're going to miss that field goal. Um, so yeah, I think we all have the bears winning and it's not because we're homers because, uh, we, we more than, I mean, we said that the bucks were going to absolutely smash them. If this is your first time listening to us. So we're not just homers. I just think that there's, there's a lot of things that can line up for the Chicago bears to win this game. Um, just got to keep Nick Bosa and that, that defensive line off of Justin Fields and everything will be okay. Ball security is a must. I, I don't care how bad the situation is. Got to keep two hands on the ball. Justin Fields. We love you here. We know you're going to succeed at some point. We know you're in a shitty situation, but throw picks. Don't fumble the ball. It just reminds me too much of Danny Dimes. And like, I don't think Danny Dimes is the worst quarterback, but every time I think of Danny Dimes, I just think about him getting absolutely fucking crushed, being concussed and the ball just fluttering in the air. So can't have that happen. No matter how bad the situation gets, got to hold on to the ball. No fumbles are allowed. Um, Yeah. That's kind of the only notes I have for for Justin Fields. Otherwise, I know shit's bad. Bro, honestly, the only thing I think of with Danny Dimes is that one-handed catch he had on Sunday. It was just like the greatest I've ever seen in my life. I also think of him tripping over, over his own feet on an 80-yard touchdown scramble. Oh, um, dude. Hey, that, was the I, black, that was the Black Cat game, bro. That game oh, was yeah. a bunch of weird shit. I was watching that run live, and I'm like, holy crap. He's actually doing something good. Like, he's actually going to get praised for this, and then he falls. Yeah. I mean, the Giants are just the Giants are just an absolute mess. Both New York teams are a mess. Zach Wilson's already out. They're already on a backup. They traded for Flacco. They got Flacco back. Yeah, Mike they had, White. Mike didn't White they have Flacco making, before. No, Flacco went. Uh, Flacco went somewhere else. I don't know where he went. He was. Uh, he was, he was little, in Philly. Philly. Oh Jesus! So he and just, he got and he got traded back to the Jets. He's just a green guy for the rest of his career. Can only yeah, yeah, we're yeah. completely gone off the rails, though. Mike, up, Mike, White, Mike White, Mike White, making his first career yeah, who NFL the f- start who for the Jets. Who the fuck is Mike White? Definitely a created football player. Yeah, that's like about as real as Frank Schwindel was. It's no. like when you're playing NCAA 14 and you get like that random walk on you didn't ask for. You just got Mike White at quarterback now. <laughs> All right. On that note, we are Bears on Tap. Go ahead and give us a follow at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You can follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46. Also got that pod guy, Duke Duke Coughlin, and beat on 300, Mr. Brandon Suarez. We love you guys and Bear Down. Mike White from Western Kentucky. Go Hilltoppers. <laughs> Bear Down. <laughs>